Hello, I'm Marie Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today our topic is how to accept yourself and live authentically. My guest is Belinda Brasnell, angel whisperer, animal communicator, author and regression therapist from Van der Beel Park. Welcome, Belinda. Thank you, Marie. To our listeners, after our discussion, Belinda will give us her three best tips on calming yourself when you feel stressed. And then it will be fun question time. Belinda, you studied engineering and now you live a completely different life. Please tell us about that. I think my life is an example of how we can get out of balance with our true nature. And I think the path that I walked was very important for me to find balance early in my life to be able to do this work. So I always knew at school that I wanted to write and I wrote poems when I was very young. I taught myself to read before I went to school so that I could read on my own. That was always my passion. But during school, especially high school, I, I lost who I was. I think we all do in a way you compete to be somebody, to be noticed, to be allowed within a group or whatever we think we need or who we are, just to, to be somebody. And so... I worked really hard at school because I was my dad's youngest daughter and I knew he wouldn't be able to also pay for my studies. So because I did really well academically, I worked really hard to be able to gain a bursary to be able to go and study. And in those days, everybody told you that there's no money in studying languages. <laughs> And there wasn't really bursaries at that time. There was no internet for me to go and search for bursaries and stuff like that. So I trusted the people that came to school that said to me, you know, this is the direction that you need to go into. So because I did really well in biology and maths and physics, they said to me, well, either doctor or vet or engineer. So, but because I'm very sensitive, I can't stand to see anything get hurt. So obviously doctor and vet was out of the question. And so I went the engineering direction, not really knowing and just floundering on. Because in those days, like I say, there was no internet to go and do research. You trusted. And I got three possible bursaries of which I had to choose one. So I chose to go to Metal Steel. But because I'm a nature person <laughs> and um, I love words and singing and things like that, working in a factory crushed me. Because as an engineering student, you have to work holidays. The bursary I received, um, we had to work after our second year, we had to do a full year work at Metal Steel, which was then still ESCO. And then you do your two final years. So I completed that third in-between year at ESCO, but was getting more and more difficult for me to work in the factory setup, especially as well because girls were very new to the engineering at that stage. In my class, we, we were only two in the electrical engineering. So, you know, you weren't always accepted by the men and the men you had to work for, the men that taught the classes. And so I struggled. And then where I could study, my first two years I completed in my hometown during the year that I did my practical the engineering faculty moved over to Potschewstrom. And so big changes, I had to move. I found, luckily during my year of practical, I met a friend, a girl that was studying um, metallurgical, 
And so we went into an apartment together. But although I studied really hard, I kept falling asleep on my books. And nobody knew what was wrong with me. The doctors did brain scans and everything. I just could not concentrate. My mind just kept switching off. And so my stress became worse and worse. My anxiety became worse. My depression became worse. And it came to the point where I, I tried to commit suicide. And I took a whole lot of pills. Unfortunately, again, couldn't Google it, so I didn't take enough. <laughs> so I just woke up a day later. <laughs> but somehow I realized, well, maybe then I'm supposed to be there. And... I met my husband then, and my parents actually asked him to move in with me because the girl that I shared the apartment with couldn't take it any longer. I was just in such a state. And um, I remember sitting across from my mom one Sunday afternoon at the lunch table, and I saw my mom looking at me as if she's never going to see me again. And I realized that if I do take my own life, I'm not just doing it to me. So I tried really hard to continue. I finished my third year. I was busy with my fourth year and my, my husband was then my fiance. He was already working. So I was alone in Butch and um, opted to often live in Funabel and drive through. And I remember that every truck that came from the front, I thought, if I just drive in front of this one. And then I thought, oh, but maybe this guy has a family at home and maybe he gets hurt. <laughs> so, but it just got worse and worse and my body just kept failing. And I kept landing in hospital. My work got more behind, more stress. And in the end, my parents sat me down and they said, we would rather have your life than have you being an engineer. And so I opted to not finish my degree. I think I still needed like three subjects. <laughs> so it was actually ridiculous. But by then I also had to take out an extra study loan and I had to repay. So I got married with owing money to the bank <laughs> and my poor husband had to take that on so we didn't have a good start in life so for lots of years after that I basically sat in my house I was too scared to go out alone I never drove anywhere yeah it was really difficult I was on pools I was on Prozac and then I just realized I couldn't go on like that. My life was really empty. And I think like many people, we think, well, children will fill my life. <laughs> so at the age of 30, I had my second child. And the anxiety just became worse. And I, I wasn't a good mother. And I thought, you know, my, my kids would be better off without me. And at that stage, I, was, I stopped praying because it wasn't helping. And I actually sent like a shout out into the universe. And I said to God, listen, <laughs> either show me why I'm here or I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and it was like an ultimatum. But now I know sometimes we need to get there because we need to set that intention that I, I need to know. And I knew three things then. I knew that I loved animals. I knew that I wanted to help people. And I knew I wanted to help myself. And so I didn't hear anything from God <laughs> in three months. <laughs> and after three months, I got scarlet fever, me and both my children. And I remember that we were lying in the bed. We had like a family bed. My son was still, I was still breastfeeding. So he was sleeping between us, uh, me and my husband. And my daughter had a bed next to us all, all together. And so very high fevers, you don't actually know 
whether you're coming and going, you can't eat, you've got sores in your mouth. But with those high fevers, I started experiencing things. And I didn't know whether it was day or night, but realized afterwards it must have been nighttime or something because all four of us were in the bed. And I experienced four beings standing by the bedside at our feet. And I remember them repeating their names or showing their names as if it was written above their heads. I can't tell you what they looked like. I, I just knew they were there and the names were repeated for me to remember. And so when I finally came to, I realized that this was help being offered. And I mean, when people who know about depression knows that you grab hold of anything that you can. So I started talking to them. And I started asking them because I knew which one were there for who. And I started asking, you know, to be able to trust that my husband would be okay and, and my kids. And So you mean it were, there were four angels, four beings, because there were four of you? Yes, yes. So I think that intention of connecting to them allowed them to connect back. So I just started talking to them. It took me a while before I admitted to my husband that I was experiencing this. And I remember he said, oh, that's cute. <laughs> um, so this was weird for everybody, obviously. And it was a long road to discover what to do with it. But I just knew this was my one hope. This, this was the change. And I started realizing the more I spoke to them, I was starting to get answers and guidance as to things I was worried about. I got the guts to start driving again and to take my kids to uh, school and to, to have some alone time. I started painting. I started building my life. And with this journey, I left behind having to be something, having to be an engineer or having to have a degree and started building who I was as a soul. And I'm very grateful that my parents celebrated that and that the first time that I could give my dad a message from his dad was the most empowering moment in my life. And so from there, it just sort of unfolded. And I just went with it. It was a big learning curve. Lots of judgment. But the more I stuck to it, the more the blessings came. And the more I discovered myself. So that's my story. Thank you. Can you tell us more about the work you do? So in the beginning... Um, I mean, angels weren't even in my frame of reference. <laughs> so, But I discovered in my house all these angel things and angel books and pictures of angels. And it was weird. I thought, wow, was this in me all the time? And I didn't realize. And so I went to my Dumini. And luckily for me, he was a very spiritual person. And he guided me towards a lady who had a spiritual center and a labyrinth and she taught yoga and she said to me, well, come and work here, start giving people messages. You receive this for a reason. So it, it just started unfolding and I started doing automatic writing and writing down the messages in order for me to, for me to really trust in it. But then, you know, I couldn't write fast enough to get all the information through. So from there, I just started trusting the words to come and the images and the feelings. I sort of put it all together. I get feelings and images and words and I put it through into a language, into words that the person can understand. So for me, it's very important to help people to understand their soul, to know that your soul knows the way. And if you connect to your soul and your guidance, there's no way that you can make a mistake. 
you have mentioned that you have often been regarded as strange. And how has that influenced your acceptance of yourself? It was difficult in the beginning because you always have the sense of needing to belong somewhere. And the first time I really felt I belonged somewhere um, was when I, I joined the spiritual center. But quickly realized also that I was even a stranger there, that people couldn't really understand what I was doing or how I was connecting. And I think in the end that became my gift. Because as soon as I started looking past the judgment that I received when I was in the media, you know, I would always get this judgment from people and people phoning me or sending me pamphlets or <laughs> telling me, you know, that I'm busy with the wrong angels or, you know, and so when I started celebrating my weirdness and really finding, but this is my uniqueness, but not that I'm different, that I just chose, my soul chose a different talent to bring to earth. And I always say to people when they say, but why can't I talk to spirit? Then I say, but we all can. It's a choice, but it's it's like mathematics. We all can do mathematics, but we don't. Don't all use it in our daily work. or It's not necessarily your life's journey. And connecting to spirit, we all can do it and use it in our daily lives like we do maths when you have to work out a price of something. But I use it as a work. It, it's my work. It's my life's journey. And I believe I've perfected it over many lifetimes, and maybe it's not even perfect yet, I don't believe so, because we're all still learning. But this weirdness, now when people ask me, I say, well, I'm the weirdest woman in front of Bell Park and very proud of it. <laughs> Is there anything else that has helped you through the years to accept yourself? I think if we don't go through the hardship... If we don't walk into a wall, we don't realize things. So I think through all the things that I had to realize about what I am or what I'm not, the true thing that helped me discover myself was all the things that had to be stripped away. We have so many layers added to who we are, belief systems, way we grew up, things that were told to us, things that reality teaches us this, this is truth. And only through hardship and really diving deep into your own potential do you find who is that soul underneath all of those layers. And when you allow the stripping away, you come to realize something about yourself that is so amazing that nothing can stop you. And I don't mean earthly achievements. I mean in just being true to who you are. You mentioned being true to who you are. How do we know if we are living authentically? The angels have a very nice way of putting it. They say that your heart is your happy meter. Any choice or decision that you have to make, if it doesn't make your heart happy, it's not in line with your guidance. And we often choose things that we think is good for other people, or, oh, I can't do this because it's selfish, or whatever. So living authentically, for me, is inner peace and joy. Even the Bible says, with the birth of Christ, God says joy to the world. And that made me think, well, if God wants us to have joy, <laughs> why don't we? And so I became um, aware of how I choose unhappiness or how I want my husband to make me happy or life to perform for me or bring me money that will make me happy. And through... The things I had to go through, I realized, but 
nothing can be added. And so the angels also say, we are already all we need to be. Nothing needs to be added. Nothing needs to be subtracted. But what was added can be subtracted. And so we need to dive through all these things that we've been taught through many lifetimes that we came to know as truth and really find our own definition of what is truth and what is life, really, apart from the suffering. Because the belief in suffering is not truth. And I believe we are on earth now to change that in the consciousness. And so the more you live authentically, to just choose your own joy, your own peace, you radiate that into the world. You become the example so that people think, oh, I want to use the shampoo she's using. <laughs> <laughs> now, is authenticity something we have to work at lifelong on a daily basis? No, it's not something we have to work at. Because the angels taught me that anything we believe we have to work at is an expectation we have of the self, is a judgment, is too hard, and then we give up because it's not possible. So for me, living authentically is a way of life. And... Whereas I don't stick to one religion because I say my religion is love and to honor anything that's living. I take great courage and inspiration from all the wisdom teachings. And what I've realized about the life of Buddha, 2,500 years ago, he left his princedom behind to find the cause of suffering. And whereas he found it and started teaching it, and Buddha also said, it's not a religion, it's a way of life. The angel said, we are now finally ready to make that shift. We are ready to see, but suffering is a choice. And so living authentically is choosing you every day. Choosing who you are as a soul and living the way that you would live or be as a soul on the other side and do that within a physical body. And that's authentic. And it's first about you. It's not about saving the world or saving anything or stopping the wars. When people say to me, well, there's another war. What do you say now? Then I say, be the peace doesn't help to fight a war. Be the peace. Be the example. Don't let a war allow you to go into the anger. Be the peace. And we can only do that if it's a way of life. In your book, My Naked Soul, Exploring the True Self, you mention practical ways we can use to live more authentically. Can you please tell us more? I must tell you that book was written after the two most difficult years of my life. It was part of my seven-year dark night of the soul, obviously. <laughs> um, my husband was retrenched. And for two years, he couldn't find any work. And so I had to really go into my perception that I've always had that I was supposed to do more. I think I was still detoxing from not being an engineer <laughs> because I always felt I had to help earn money. I had to do something. I had to create something. And my books and everything were driven by helping to earn money because I felt guilty that I married him with all this money that was owed to the bank. <laughs> and I had to help. And so in that time, I really just started taking care of our family with this, with what I do, giving angel messages, um, teaching whatever I could 
writing more books, translating my books, um, publishing my cards, and it it was joyful as well, but it was also for the purpose of earning money. And that was really difficult years where I needed to learn to surrender and and trust. And you never knew where the next food would be coming from or whether you would be able to keep the house. And so the angels gave me lots of tools in that time to help myself every day, to just center, to surrender, to become aware of the belief systems that keep me from trusting, that keep me from allowing joy, that keep me from surrendering suffering, my belief in suffering, my belief that I had to do more to earn more. And so after those two years, I put some of that information into my naked soul because it was too much to put into a book. So it's it's a journey. It's a journal where you can really focus on receiving the inspiration that angels gave me every day and also how to ask differently, how to pray differently, not from fear but with hope with inspiration, to consciously change your words and the words you tell yourself, to use affirmations to choose your mindset and change your mindset from negative to positive. I also include in the book and use for myself every day visualizations, meditations, and mudras. Mudras are hand positions that is a very old teaching from the East that you help your mind to focus in a certain way to create a new belief system. So these are all very basic. But I mean, when I go through a difficult time, I tend to pull away from the world because we don't like to show when we are disempowered. So a lot of us draw into ourselves and you, you think you need to depend more on yourself and you have to fix something. And all of these things are ways that you can empower yourself when you don't feel like reaching out. That you know, I can do this for me, like a basic breathing exercise or just a visualization. Something I really clung to in that time was to go out into nature and to know everything is being supplied by nature every day. And I would sit with my wolves outside and I would tell myself, in this moment, I have everything I need. In this moment, we have food, we have a home, we have each other, we have health. Just for now, we are okay. And every day, I would be able to say that. Because every day, something would arrive. How can we live more consciously and with more awareness to create a joyful life? I would add to the things I said before, but I want to repeat as well. You know, use the tools that are available. Listen, be aware, be mindful. Listen to the guidance that shows up through things that people say, things you hear, things you see. Be aware, empower yourself. But what I've learned after that, after I decided to do yoga regularly to maintain my emotions, to support me, to meditate, to self-empower, I also realized to be aware and to be conscious goes much deeper than that. I realized that nature gave me so much Life, the essence of everything is supplied. The fruit, the vegetables. We can go and de-stress in nature, go and walk bare feet, connect to the animals and you will laugh. Go outside and cry and you will feel better. Go and look at the sky and you will feel better. And I realized that 
to be conscious, we need to live in harmony with nature. Our true essence is to be in harmony with life because we, we fight against life. We, we think we need to survive, but that's not living. I want to live. I want to love living. And therefore, we need to allow ourselves to love living. But we can't love living and have respect for the self and honor the self if you don't respect and honor nature. So to me, conscious living also became one of the pillars of yoga and the ancient teachings. And every religion has this. Honor all life. Do no harm. And the angel said to me, first, before you think of not doing harm to any other living creature, think of yourself. And think of the harm you do by putting things into your body that's not in harmony with nature and your true nature. So I haven't been able to eat meat even as a child because I'm just too sensitive and I can feel the energy of the animal. But what I realized was that we go against our nature but by not living in compassion and harmony with nature. And yes, it is the animals, but it's also the trees and just life in general. How is your body, your emotions, your mind and your belief systems, how is it in contrast to what nature teaches us about just being? I want to share a story there. I'm borderline autistic, so I'm very sensitive to noise. And I think the fact that I moved to town was the greatest teaching because all of a sudden I had to deal with all this noise around me. Not just lawnmowers and all of that, but often people cutting down trees. So, so often. And that noise, and I can physically feel the tree dying. I also help tree spirits to pass over like I do with animals. So it's very traumatic for me. And I believe in what is right. And I used to be in that space where I used to fight for what is right. And for people to have respect for life and for others. And one day, somebody was cutting down trees on the sidewalk. And I became so angry because it wasn't only their trees. It was, it was everybody's trees. I exercise under those trees. I walk under those trees every day. And I went there and I grabbed the chainsaw out of the guy's hands and I threw it into the road. And afterwards, I felt so embarrassed. And I knew that that wasn't the true me. Even acting in that way and trying to protect something, I wasn't being authentic. I was ashamed. And I came home and I cried and I sat under one of my big trees and I said to Mother Nature, why the hell don't you fight back? And she said to me, I don't need to. I grow back. And that changed my life. And I knew that we need to trust. We need to support the growing. We need to be part of enforcing life. And we need to be the example of that. So how do you enforce life within your physical body? How do you feed yourself? What emotions, what do you tell yourself every day? Because the angel said to me, would you do that to a child you love? Would you feed that child what you feed yourself? Would you tell the child the things you tell yourself? Would you judge it as you judge yourself when you look in the mirror? We need to love ourselves. And living authentically starts with that. 
Because you cannot have compassion for any other living being if you don't have it for your own physical body and the soul that lives inside of it. Thank you. Another issue I want to ask you about is why do many of us find it so difficult to accept help? That was also one of my greatest teachings that I experienced, processes that I needed to go through. Because I think none of us want to really be vulnerable. And in those two years, I realized when you go into that space of helplessness, it's a form of dying. Because we are scared that if we are helpless, we're going to die. We're scared that if we don't have money, we're going to die. People are going to lose respect for you. You won't be in charge of your life. It's the same with weight. I've been struggling with my weight for a long time because it feels that people don't respect you because you're not in charge of your life <laughs> and you're not in control. And what I learned by not having money by having to surrender and allow support was that we are just a channel of that. And if you don't allow it to flow in, it cannot flow out. And I really learned how to become humble and how to go into humility. And of course, I felt humiliated often when I had to accept things especially my clients were so loving they would drop off groceries <laughs> and I almost felt like I wasn't human sometimes and the angel said to me you need to realize that God nor the angels nor your loved ones on the other side have hands or feet if you ask for something, if you need something, it needs to be delivered through other people. And if you don't allow that, you don't allow help from spirit. And if you can't allow yourself to receive the small things, how will you ever allow yourself to enjoy life, to, to accept the bigger things in life? And I see it so often with my clients, that control, that not wanting to receive help. And if we could only realize that we're all here for each other, and when one is strong, the other one might need their help. But when you are not strong, somebody else needs to help you, and that's the flow of life. And what I saw in that time was when I did allow help, I had more energy. I wasn't as worried. So I had more energy to help more clients. So I would be able to pay it forward and help somebody who couldn't afford a session. So I wouldn't need them to pay me money because I had the groceries. And so I could pay it forward for them to again pay it forward in their way. And that's the beauty of life. How can we learn to open up to receive more love and other good things? I think most of that was answered with the previous question. But, you know, be constantly aware when you block it. Because it's a process. We don't just surrender and now we allow. <laughs> it, it, there's so many layers to resolve because there has been... So many lifetimes where we were stuck in that I'm all on my own and I can't allow help. So we need to rewrite that in the consciousness. So that's about being aware, being mindful, being aware of your thoughts. Archangel Michael is very good with helping us to be a God in front of our thoughts, to make us aware of when we go down that rabbit hole again of, or try to take control again and just to be aware to again just surrender, just trust, just allow. So I've seen that in myself, you know, that 
we we often get out in our ways and we often have belief systems that when other people have more money than us that they are better than us or we cannot mingle with them or you know we're not good enough or we won't be accepted but the more i grew into the true me the more blessings has flowed to me and the more you allow your true self to flow out into the world the more it comes back to you in all kinds of ways and these days things show up for me that i think how do i deserve this because that's again the old belief system we ask ourselves what did i do to deserve this this friend or this person giving me this as a gift wow and then i realize again where my mind is going and i just say thank you because i think the basis for having joy good life experiences is gratitude but not gratitude in i need to be grateful for what i have and not want more because the angels always say you know you can't make people laugh by crying with them you can't help people out of financial difficulty by also being in financial difficulty <laughs> so it's all about doing it for you you know choose you choose joy for you choose excitement choose financial freedom and believing in things that are good to flow into your life and then it will flow from you and you will bless others that's beautiful please tell us about your books i think our souls know our true intent why we chose to come into a certain life and i also do that for my clients i look into what soul talents they choose to bring to earth i remember as a child i loved to sing i just sang every day after school it was my world until a teacher told me that i couldn't sing and when i couldn't make it to into the choir my life fell apart and i i stopped singing in church even because i didn't want anybody to hear my bad voice <laughs> until i realized much later in my life that we have so many soul talents that we use in so many lifetimes and you don't have to bring each of them to earth to create something but there's a lot of them that you can use and now i love singing in yoga i love singing my mantras it's it's like rejoicing like i used to do in church when i was young or when when i belonged to a christian group and you would rejoice and now i do it in yoga with my mantras and that's the blessing it brings to me but we have so many soul talents so one of the things that i believe is my soul talent is to write and although it's still difficult for me and um my books don't always get published and it's still a learning curve to me it feels like if you put the different things together that you know you need to do it will happen in the way it is supposed to so i write because it's my passion to share to help people to realize that your soul knows the way to connect to your inner journey and so my first book is about how the angels entered my life and taught me how to shift it to change it around to get out of the misery the stuckness the belief in suffering and how to create a joyful life and then my second book is about everything that i have learned in the 20 years that i have been doing the work of a medium connecting to loved ones on the other side connecting to animal souls on the other side and helping people to view death in a different way as to not get stuck in the fear of death and then my last book as i said before is the tools to help you to inspire you 
to see that you can invite joy and to become aware of how you don't allow it. So that's very close to my heart and part of my soul journey and my work. Where can people find more info on your work? People can go to my website. It is just Belinda Brasnell without the hyphen dot co dot za. You can also contact me on angel messages at telcomsa.net. But everything I do is also available on my Facebook page and my group. I do weekly messages on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Angel Messages. So everything I do, daily inspirations, are all available on social media. Just look for my name, Belinda Brasnell, and you will find me. Thank you. And you also work online, don't you? Yes, I do online sessions, I do online meditations and yoga and any guidance that people might need. I also do spiritual life coaching with people. That's like a three-month path to help you to identify where you block, block yourself on physical, mental, emotional and spiritual level. And then I also do retreats where you can come and just experience and dig a bit deeper into yourself to find that authentic self. And I'm also working on soul journeys, spiritual journeys to other countries. Could you give us your three best tips on calming yourself when you feel stressed? We all know that when we feel stressed and freaked out, we can't even think. Our heart rate goes up and it's, it's just impossible to calm yourself. But the tips that I use is the first thing to know is when you are anxious, you don't use your peripherals. We get tunnel vision. So what I do is I go and I sit still and I start moving my eyes from side to side start using my peripherals. Then I start breathing. Because the deeper you breathe, you breathe, the more your breath controls your heart rate. So in order to calm down, the more you breathe, the more you will slow your heart rate, the more you will come back into your mind and into your heart space. There's a lot of breathing techniques that you can find on the internet and on Pinterest. There's lots of information on that. So just find some breathing exercises. The best one or the simplest one is to just start breathing in through your nose for six counts, breathing out through your mouth for seven counts, and then pick it up, breathe in for seven counts, breathe out for eight. And just start using that and see that your, your heart rate slows. And you will see you bring yourself back into that centeredness. A very nice technique I also use is to visualize a golden bubble around me. You can also visualize that as angels' wings around you or anything that you feel safe within. And then within that golden bubble is what I call the life energy or the breath of God. And I visualize that as a golden light that I start inhaling into my body. And I start visualizing that golden light, inhaling it deep into my toes and from there my feet. And there you just keep visualizing. And you will see as you keep your mind busy with the visualization, you stop thinking of other things. And you stop thinking of everything that you're worried about. And you can do that with a simple breath as well. So even if you are at work, just go and sit in a toilet stall or something. Or go outside or sit in your car and just go and do those breaths. And just do the visualization and just bring yourself back to you. And remember there's nothing better than asking. Ask the angels or God, or whoever you believe in, to just allow peace to come over you. 
And you will soon see that happening. Can I ask you a fun question? Yes, of course. Now we're going to the realm of the imagination. If you could have lived in another time and place, which time and place would appeal to you? I think when we think of it romantically, <laughs> there's so many places we would have loved to be in. But I always say to myself, I've already done that. <laughs> I've already been there. I've, I've had that life. I've had that suffering and I've had that beauty and I've had that rich life with lots of money. I've had all of that. And so I think when I would now want to see myself somewhere is really in a space where I would be living in nature, in harmony with the rhythm of nature, with the plants, trusting the sun and the moon and the rhythm of the ocean. I'd really just go back to being before we started stressing and performing and surviving. Thank you, Belinda, and thank you for giving us new perspectives of how we can look at life and at ourselves. Thank you. Thank you for the honor. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Marc-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 